Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello, and welcome back to Angus at Work. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. This quote from Mark Twain reminds us to look back at our past while focusing on our future. Today's host, Miranda Ryman, sat down with industry consultant Neville Spear to discuss improvements in beef quality, how far beef markets have come, and how modern consumers are choosing to spend their money. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Angus at Work podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Ryman, and today we have Neville Spear with us. Um, Neville, why don't you just give us first off a little bit of background about yourself and what it is you do in the beef industry? Yeah, so I live in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, just about an hour north of Nashville. Um, Essentially, I have my own consulting business and um, primarily have along the way uh, worked with several companies to do business development. And then I have kind of a variety of customers that are producers that I help from time to time. Excellent. And you were a speaker at the Feeding Quality Forum where you covered kind of a lot of historical and then a lot of looking into the future. So maybe just start by setting the stage for us a little bit as to where the beef industry was 20 years ago and what progress we've made. Yeah, so that's really where we started, Miranda, is just talking about kind of looking back and saying and, and talking about how much we struggled, especially with market share, while pork and poultry was catching and not only catching, but actually beating the beef industry by a pretty wide stance, right? And primarily that was because the beef industry was struggling in terms of quality. And yet we thought that's what we excelled in the marketplace. And clearly consumers were telling us otherwise. And as a result, we lose market share. And then also you don't create new opportunities for producers because the market struggles, right? Dollar spending ultimately translates back into the cattle market. I think that the slide that you showed that illustrated that the best had that $100 that was it $106 that chicken right. had added? Yes. So, so d- between 1980 and 1998, beef, new beef spending was $6. Pork and poultry combined got $106. You can't grow a business unless you have new spending. Right. Yeah. And, and then we need to remind ourselves, too, during the 80s, we were fighting the same battle we're fighting now in terms of inflation. So, in effect, we really were going backwards. Yeah. And how has that story changed today? It's incredible. Uh, you know, we ever since about 1998 and year 2000, when beef demand bottomed, we have dramatically turned that story around. We grow spending year over year ever since. And uh, in fact, this year, it looks like we're probably going to add on about another 5%, which is really pretty remarkable because as we think about what's going on out there in the business in terms of, uh, you, you know, pricing and competitive pricing, there's a lot of opportunity for produ- or for consumers to push back, and they haven't done that. They continue to spend for this product. They like it. You had talked about um, some of the metrics that we use to, tr- to track this. You've really got to interpret that a little bit. So when you want to explain that a little sure, more? Sure, sure. So we, we talked a lot about one of the things that often gets misinterpreted is the idea of consumption. 
right? And beef consumption really is just a derivative of production minus some exports and what have you divided by population. Okay, in of itself, it's really not that meaningful. In addition, we've changed the way we fab product. So we actually inherently have less retail product coming into the marketplace than we used to because of, of retail fat trimming. That, that really doesn't matter. It doesn't tell us anything unless we know what consumers are spending and what they're willing to spend per pound. And, and right at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the amount of money or dollars coming into a business. Right. And, and you gave some great examples of a restaurant that's full on a Friday night. and Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite stories. So in Bowling Green, Kentucky, we just had a brand new uh, high-end restaurant open. The cheapest uh, item on the menu is $59. We were there on a Wednesday night to visit it for the first time, and the place was completely packed. And I know the owner, and he says they've done very, very well. So clearly consumers, even though they're stressed, uh, with inflation across all fronts, they're still willing to sort of set aside money to spend for a really good eating experience, whatever that may be, at home and or outside at a restaurant. Of course, that can make us all smile. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good price tag on beef. But this podcast is particularly aimed at commercial cattlemen. How are commercial cattlemen going to get their share of that increasing value. Well, so one of the things that, uh, one of the slides that I use shows the relationship between spending and the Fed market, Mm -hmm. right? And the correlation is about 0.86, okay? So as we continue to increase spending, we continue to ratchet the market up. And it's ultimately the metric that matters the most. Because in the end, at the end of the day, if we don't have consumer dollars coming in, then there's no dollars for the cattle. And it really does matter. Now, it seems very much removed. And sometimes a cow-calf producer can feel very isolated from kind of the end meaning of that. Mm -hmm. But we're all in this together, right? And it does matter. I think that one of the statements you made that might be a somewhat unpopular opinion in a in a room full of very independent cattlemen was that if we are if if we're completely independent we're never going to capture our full That's, the full value yeah absolutely right right so um we we all typically traditionally in this business we like to independent operate independently and anonymously but we also see that this business is increasingly moving towards coordinated supply chains. And if you really want to capture true value and be a part of that value at the end of the chain, you have to give up being anonymous and you also have to give up being totally independent. Yeah. And I don't think you're talking about let's everybody vertical integration top to bottom. What are some ways that we can accomplish that working together without just a one-owner system. Right, exactly. And, and one of the examples that I use with that specific discussion is talking about value-added sales, video sales, and it could even be as much as preconditioning and, and or you have pooled preconditioned sales, um, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But there are clearly supply chains that are act- actively pulling cattle, and you can operate within that and sell into that. I immediately, my head went to the Angus Link program and some things that the association's trying to do. That's precisely right, yes. And so you're, you are giving up your right to be anonymous. But if you're, if you're doing all the right things in terms of using the right genetics and the right management, 
why would you not want to advertise those and get more value versus operating in a just strictly commodity system? Because all you're going to be is average. Sure. And this isn't just uh, like Neville Spears' philosophy on, on life here. This is actually backed by some things that consumers are saying they want. Absolutely. And, and one of the things clearly that consumers want and, and or retailers and or, you know, food service. Okay. We, we want high quality product. We need it in volume. And we need it to be competitively priced, but then also we want to know something about it. And that's happening more and more all the time. And then, you know, as part of that discussion, we also talked about as we get younger consumers, they're even more focused on that. Tell me something about the production chain and what's going along in terms of attributes before these cattle get to be an end product. Right. Um, was there anything else from that Power of Meat study that you had quoted that you think would be important to help tell this story? Well, I think it's very clear that millennials um, reference themselves or think of themselves as flexitarians, right? Okay, so, so uh, typically at our house, we're going to have some kind of meat item on the menu every mm -hmm. night. Um, but as we get into younger generations who are really the coming wave of power in the marketplace they're they're willing to not have meat and so therefore our job to sell to them is going to get more challenging going forward sure so if you're a cattleman listening to this that's maybe not a warning so much as an opportunity oh i think that's absolutely right i mean sure it's a challenge and it may feel like a warning when you first hear it because what am i supposed to do but yet on the other side of that if you can gain their loyalty it's a huge opportunity Amen. Well, we like to end this podcast on some good news. There's enough bad news out there in the world. So whether it's something personal or professional, give me a little bit of good news today. Oh, well, there's all kinds of good news. And unfortunately, Miranda, there's so much negativity in the world. But I would say if I, am, if I were a beef producer today, I'm especially excited about what's happened, but then also exciting about what the opportunities are. And by the way, in this presentation that I just did, I mentioned twice, I'm going to have to change my graphs uh, in two different instances because the prices have moved so much higher. And, and by the way, to that point, you know, we all kind of look back at 2014 as kind of the, the key market. And we have to remember that we are outpacing 2014 by a pretty big margin on even bigger volume. And so that's one of the things that we talked about, right, also is that Everything in terms of demand for product and then also for cattle, it's moving up and to the right, and that's the best signal we could have. That is indeed good news. Thanks, Neville, for being on our podcast today. Listeners, for more information on making Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can subscribe to both publications in the show notes. If you have questions or comments, let us know at editorial at angus.org. And we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.